Today on the Matt Wall Show, is it now officially and finally time for us to break up? Do we need a national divorce or is there another solution to the increasing division and hostility in our country? We'll talk about that. Plus, the Biden administration withholds life-saving COVID treatments from red states and the Democratic gubernatorial candidate in Virginia makes the case for executing fully developed viable infants in the third trimester of pregnancy. Plus, Lil Nas X shares his real thoughts about the kids that he might be influencing And the right rallies around Nicki Minaj after she comes out in support of vaccine choice. She's right about that issue. But are we a little too quick to hail celebrities as heroes if they agree with us about one issue? We'll talk about that and so much more today on The Matt Walsh Show. Before we get started today, I have the great privilege of telling you all about magnesium. As you know, it's my favorite topic. I'm a big fan of magnesium. I have magnesium posters on my wall. Every day I get home and I say to my wife, guess what I learned about magnesium today? And it's at the point now where she says, you really need to go to counseling over this. It's getting kind of strange. But still, Magnesium Breakthrough by Bioptimizers. That's what you need to know about. Listen, if you're having trouble falling asleep or staying asleep, one of the best things you could possibly do is start getting enough magnesium. But please don't run to the store to buy the first magnesium supplement you find. Most magnesium supplements use only the two cheapest synthetic forms, and that's not going to be good enough for you. And since they're not full spectrum, they won't fix your magnesium deficiency to help you sleep better. There are actually seven unique forms of magnesium, and you must get all of them if you want to experience its calming, sleep-enhancing effects. That's why I recommend Magnesium Breakthrough by Bioptimizer. Simply take two capsules before you go to bed, and you'll be amazed by how much better you sleep and how much more rested you feel when you wake up. For an exclusive offer for my listeners, go to www.magbreakthrough.com slash Walsh and use code Walsh10 to save 10% when you try Magnesium Breakthrough. Oh, and one more thing. For a limited time, Buy Optimizers is also giving away free bottles of their best-selling products, P30M and Masszymes with select purchases. So go to magbreakthrough.com slash Walsh now to get your exclusive 10% discount plus the chance to get more than 50% worth of $50 worth of supplements for free. Well, this is a scene that we should expect to see repeated over and over again in the coming months and probably years. A family attempting to enjoy their dinner at a New York City pizza restaurant were kicked out for not presenting their vaccine cards. The man filming is named Ray Velez, and the pizza place is apparently Juliana's Pizza in Brooklyn. A little bit of background here. New York City just this week began enforcing its rules requiring employees and customers at all restaurants and bars and gyms and museums and other establishments to present their ID and vaccine cards upon entering. Um, they So they, they just started enforcing. In fact, when we were in New York last week, we were noticing the signs all over the place saying that you have to have a vaccine to enter uh, the establishment. But then I would go in and nobody would actually ask for any kind of card. Uh, apparently just this week, they decided to start asking for them. And that means that the manager, uh, you'll hear in the beginning of this video, is only trying to comply with the government's rules. He's following orders. And you can decide if that's a good enough excuse for you. Listen. So you're refusing to serve us? Are you refusing to serve us? So so you're going to enforce segregation because we just told you that we're religiously exempt. I never told you any of that. I, I would never tell you that. I would never say that. I would never say that. You don't have to leave. I, if you have the flyer, you have the flyer that you're supposed to put into your your window, right? Okay, 
Go and read it. Go and read it. Go and read it. And, and you tell me we're not leaving. Well, I'm not leaving. You guys can leave. I'm not leaving. Every, everybody in here is okay with that? Everybody's in here okay with, with, with setting, up, setting segregation in society? Everybody's okay with that? Oh, we don't have our vaccine card, so now the kids can't eat. We can't eat. You guys are okay with that? This is the America you want to live in? Is this the America you want to live in? No, f*** you. You see? You're not American. That's why. You need to get the f*** out of here if you're not American. All right? Get the f*** out of here. Okay? This is America, and in America, everybody can eat. Everybody can eat in America. All right? This is not segregation. This is America. You need to wake up. This is the kind of country you want to live in? You want to live in this type of country? Now, it has not escaped the notice of some observers that the family getting kicked out of the restaurant is non-white. Hispanic, I assume, based on the name. While the manager and most of the patrons supporting the manager are all white. In fact, one of the patrons even flips the middle finger to the family. Does that make this a, does that, does that make this, this a racist incident? Are these vaccine passport laws themselves racist? Well, the answer is no. The family would have been told to leave just the same if they were white. These laws and policies are unjust, but not racially unjust. The policies are not intended to target non-white people, clearly. If anything, the racial intentions arguably might go the other way. Certainly, the media has decided that the so-called anti-vaxxers and anti-maskers are mostly white Trump supporters. That's a significant part of the reason why they wish to target and shame those groups. With that said, it's also undeniably true that in many places around the country, the black and Hispanic communities have lower vaccination rates. This means that they will be disproportionately affected by the vaccine passport rules and mandates. Normally, the left tells us that a law's disproportionate impact on non-white people means that the law is racist. So once again, by their own standard, yes, this video depicts a racist incident. A hate crime, in fact. Remember also that the entire argument for voter ID laws being racist is that black people allegedly have a harder time getting IDs. Nobody's ever been able to explain why that would be the case, but that's what they tell us. Well, the policy in New York requires you to present, you heard it there, your vaccine card and your ID in order to access basic public accommodations. By the logic of the left's anti-voter ID stance, this requirement is racist. All of that is true. And yet it doesn't matter because, as we have established repeatedly, the left isn't worried about its own double standards. Its double standards are not really double standards at all. They are, in fact, quite upfront and explicit about this. The standard is this. Whatever they are doing or saying in any given moment is right. Whatever we are doing or saying is wrong. That's the standard. And it's as simple as that. And that brings us to the most important point raised in the video. A question. He asks the other people in the restaurant, is this the kind of country you want to live in? You know, do you, do you want to live in a country where we segregate people based on vaccinated and unvaccinated? Do you want to hide behind masks and vaccine passports your whole life? Do you want to just cower in fear? Do you want to live in a country governed by fear and paranoia and suspicion? Do you want to treat everybody around you like they're a bunch of plague-carrying rats? Is that the kind of country you want? And the answer that he heard there, sadly, is yes. Yes and F you as well, as, as one of the other, other customers answered with his middle finger raised. This is indeed the country they want. This is how they want to live. And that is yet one more reason why we cannot 
all continue to live in the same country for much longer. It's not just this issue, of course, but this issue again reveals a truth that we need to finally once and for all confront. There is a deep division in this country, and the people on either side of that division, on either side of that uh, chasm, have radically and fundamentally opposing desires for the sort of society they want to live in. This goes far beyond political differences. Our visions for the future, our hopes for tomorrow, stand in complete contrast with one another. Such a contrast that one side's dream for the future is the other side's nightmare. It wasn't always this way, but it is now. We have no common values, no shared principles, no shared beliefs. We have nothing in common. We don't like or respect each other. A talk show host can make jokes about Trump voters dying of COVID in Florida, and the audience in the studio and at home laughs and claps joyously about the thought of tens of thousands of people they don't like dying. They are quite literally happy to see the people on the other side of that divide die. When a conservative talk show host succumbs to COVID and leaves his wife a widow and his children fatherless, the other side now doesn't even pretend to be sad about it. They cheer his death. They didn't know him, never did anything to them, but they know his ideological stance, and that's enough. But this also isn't all about their attitudes. I mean, I don't root for anybody to die of COVID, but I do share in their fundamental lack of respect for the side opposed to my own. I admit that. When I see a man who thinks that we should force masks onto two-year-olds, you know, that video we played to start the show yesterday of a a two-year-old sitting on the plane, gasping for breath and crying, confused and scared with with this mask on his face. When I see that and all of these people who support that, and many of them also support, you know, chemically castrating 12-year-olds and dismembering babies in the womb. When I see a man who holds all those views, I cannot respect him. Even if I wanted to respect him, I couldn't. There's nothing to respect. It's easy enough to say that, well, we can disagree, but we should still respect each other. I don't. I don't want to share a country with people like that. And they don't want to share a country with me. I know that. And increasingly, people on both sides are becoming aware of this problem. In fact, the comedian Sarah Silverman made much the same point on her podcast just a few days ago from the other side of the of the coin. Uh, listen to what she had to say. I mean, this may be a negative thought, but or maybe a positive one. I don't know. But if people aren't getting along, uh, like in relationship, they break up, you know. So, like, why don't we just finally just realize that this these states aren't working and like divide up into like two or three countries of like USA one and USA two. And they can be USA one, like the conservatives can be USA one because they love being number one. And it means something to them. And I'd love to have that be theirs. They can be USA one will be USA two and we'll be allies and you'll come over here and we'll go over there and you know when you come to certain many times when you go to a different country you have to get a vaccine now um i think we could come up with better names than usa one and usa two but if those were the names 
she's right that I would want to be USA One, not for the reason she says, but because USA One implies that it's the original, the first. And I actually cherish and respect this country's founding and its history. I want to maintain a tie with it. Her side doesn't. That, in fact, is yet another thing that makes our divide insurmountable. And it makes this uh, uncrossable. There's no bridge that can cross it. Because they hate the country they live in. They have disdain for its history, its culture, its traditions, everything. I would imagine that if they had their own country, they wouldn't want USA in the name at all. They probably want to call it the People's Republic of North America or something. And that's fine. They can call it whatever they want because it would be their country. Silverman, I think, is right to compare this to a bad marriage. You know, some couples reach a point where all they do is fight. And the fights over time grow more vicious, sometimes violent. Eventually, it gets dangerous for one or both of the spouses involved. They resent each other. They, the love they once shared has turned to hate. They can't stand the sight of each other. Even the things they used to like about each other have now turned to sources of irritation. And the things that used to merely irritate them now provoke rage. They can't stand the way the other eats, speaks, smells. Now, the only difference is that in a marriage, you've made an eternal vow to one another. You have promised to never leave, to stay together in sickness and health until death. That's the reason, that's reason enough to, when you go through that in a marriage, to try to struggle through it if you can. Go to counseling, look for a solution. But we as a nation have made no eternal vows. We never promised to be together forever. We can't promise that. No nation, no nation on earth remains wholly intact forever. Doesn't happen. Nations are formed, they expand, they break apart, they change. Eventually they cease to exist. That's the cycle of history. We are not exempt from it. And we need to realize that. Probably history will look back on the United States in its current form as a star that shined brightly but burned out quickly. That'll be our legacy. And it's not a terrible legacy to have. Every star burns out eventually. At least ours, while it lasted, was the brightest in the sky. Now let's get to our five headlines. If you're one of the millions of Americans, male or female, who deals with bags and puffiness under the eyes, then you are disgusting and you need to get that taken care of. That's why I want to tell you about GenuCell Serum from Chaminix. GenuCell Serum uses plant stem cell technology to promote visibly healthier skin and the appearance of younger, healthier eyes. GenuCell's state-of-the-art technology will become your most powerful weapon against under-eye bags and puffiness. Customers everywhere have been raving about this product. Susan from New Jersey wrote, I've been using GenuCell for a couple of months. The puffiness around my eyes is gone. Even the crow's feet and small lines have disappeared and haven't come back. I love your product. I use it under my eyes, under my cheekbones, and on my eyelids. Not only that, but um, my assistant Tessa has been using GenuCell for a couple of weeks now and loves the results that she's seeing as well. So with its instant effects, you'll, you'll see results in the first 12 hours or your money back guaranteed. So, order now and save big on GenuCell's risk-free introductory offer. All orders are up to 50% off. Go to GenuCell.com and enter MAT30 for an extra $30 off today. That's GenuCell.com. GenuCell.com. You know, I was sitting down with my kids' uh, dinner last night, and uh, 
I asked them, as I always ask them, you know, what did you learn today in their, in the, their homeschool classes? And in the past, I've asked them, uh, I, I would ask a more a broader question like, uh, what happened today? Or, you know, what did you do today? And I realized with kids, you got to be more specific because if you ask a broad question, I, you know, I would always ask, well, what, what, what happened today? And uh, the answer would always be something like, uh, well, we went outside and we saw something in the yard and we, we went up to it and it was a squirrel. He was dead and, he, and his, his, he didn't have eyes. And I would say, wow, dead squirrel, huh? What else happened? Anything? No, that was it. Just a dead squirrel. What did you do with the dead squirrel? Oh, we played dodgeball with it. Oh, dear God. Get away from you. You all have the black plague now. Um, so I, I get more specific. And now I ask, what did you learn today? And that, and that can be a fruitful thing. So I asked that yesterday. And um, my kids told me that they were learning about, uh, one, of the, one of the things they learned about was uh, persuasion. And uh, what, what is persuasion? And how do you persuade people, you know, especially in the form of writing? And they were telling me about that. And I said, well, that's great. So uh, let's try this out. Can you uh, persuade me of something? Just try to persuade me uh, of, of something. And uh, they couldn't figure out what they should persuade me of. And then, of course, my wife was, was there and she chimed in immediately and said, oh, kids, you should persuade daddy to get a dog because we're still doing the dog thing. And uh, my daughter made an attempt. And her attempt at persuasion was this. Daddy, I am persuading you. You are being persuaded. Get a dog. Get a dog. You're persuaded. And I tried to explain to her that's not persuasion. You can't just make your demand louder and louder. But what you're doing here, this is like an exorcism. The power of Christ compels you. That's not persuasion. But then I also realized that um, that is basically how arguments go on Twitter. This is, she's, she's, she's ready for her own Twitter account, I think, because that's, that's the way persuasion works. Not just on Twitter, but in society generally. All right, so let's start with this. The, uh, from the Daily Wire, it says the Biden administration is tightening its grip on the distribution of coronavirus um, monoclonal uh, antibody treatments to states after a slew of predominantly Republican-led states in the South have started requesting larger amounts of the treatment to battle rising coronavirus cases. Politico reported federal health officials plan to allocate specific amounts to each state under the new approach in an effort to more evenly distribute the 150,000 doses that the government makes available each week. The approach is likely to cut into shipments to GOP-led states in the Southeast that have made the pricey antibody drug a central part of their pandemic strategy while simultaneously spurning mask mandates and other restrictions. Well, they've made that treatment a part of their COVID strategy because in uh, places like Florida especially, it has cut down on hospitalizations Precipitously, it is. It has made a dramatic difference. Um, I want to say, could be wrong off the top of my head. I, I want to say that in Florida, it's cut hospitalizations even in half or something close to that. So this is a drug that really works, and that's why they've built a lot of their coronavirus response around it. Why wouldn't they? It's a drug that works. Now Biden had said that he was going to just a week or two ago. When he was unveiling his big COVID strategy, that's been, that, you know, vaccine mandates were part of it. But he also said that he was going to increase the distribution of this kind of treatment. And instead, what we find out is that he's cutting it. And coincidentally, the states that are suffering from that the most are the red states. It just so happens by coincidence that he's taking this treatment away from the red states. This is 
I, I mean, this is obviously evil. It, it's, it's, this is not really a coincidence, sarcasm aside, clearly. You've got a, a treatment that works and is working in Florida. And now the Biden administration says, we're going to give you less of it. Why would they do that? If not because it's more politically convenient for them to have more people dying in Florida. The pandemic is politically convenient for them, and especially when the pandemic uh, affects red states. And especially Florida, because they're worried about Ron DeSantis in 2024. So they would rather have people die. That's a simple reality of it. I mean, this is pure evil. It's one of the things that makes Joe Biden so dangerous. Uh, and it's something you always have to worry about, well, with any politician, but especially one who's been hanging around D.C. and has been in office, positions of power, or grasping for positions of power for 40 years, uh, 40 or 50 years, you know that this is someone who's just totally soulless. You, you can't be in office that long and retain your soul. If you can, that's a, a very rare exception. Joe Biden is certainly not an exception. So this is a soulless man who doesn't care if people, in, especially people in Florida, die. Now, if you doubt that, let's listen to the White House responding to this charge that they are um, reducing the, the, this, the distribution of this treatment to Florida. Well, it's not a charge. It's, it's not an allegation. They are really doing it. But here is uh, Jen Psaki trying to explain why they're doing it. And uh, you tell me if it makes sense to you. Listen. He promised on September 9th that he was going to send 50% more supply of monoclonal antibodies to states. Yet, the Biden administration is cutting supplies in red states by 50%. So, for example, uh, you know, in Florida, they were expecting to get 70,000 doses this week, which they say they need. They're only getting 30,000 doses. And this is not just for unvaccinated people. In South Florida, half the people who are seeking this treatment are fully vaccinated. So why is the Biden administration cutting these supplies? That's not accurate. So let me give you the accurate information. Uh, first of all, we are increasing our distribution this month by 50%. In early August, we were distributing an average of 100,000 doses per week. Now we're shipping an average of 150,000 doses per week. Over the last month, though, uh, and one thing that I think people need to understand for clarity, facts, I know, I know you're like facts, um, is that monoclonal antibodies are life-saving therapies that are used after infection to prevent more severe outcomes. So clearly the way to protect people and save more lives is to get them vaccinated so that they don't get uh, the COVID to begin with. But over the last month, given the rise in cases due to the Delta variant and the lower number of vaccination rates in some of these states, like Florida, like Texas, just seven states are making up 70% of the orders. Our supply is not unlimited, and we believe it should be equitable across uh, states across the country. Do you- There have been no reports of a, a, a lack of supply. So why cut them to those states only if there's no reports I think of a- our role as the, as the government overseeing the entire country is to be equitable in how we distribute. We're not going to give a greater percentage to Florida over Oklahoma, nor do I think are you suggesting that. You're not gonna give a greater percentage to Florida over Oklahoma? 
Why not? There's 12 people living in Oklahoma. And and, and they've all got 500 miles between them. But we wouldn't give a greater percentage to Oklahoma than Florida, and I'm sure you would never suggest that. Yeah, uh, yeah, any sane, rational person would. In fact, I think the real population is, uh, it's like, what, two or three million people in Oklahoma versus 20 or 25 million in Florida. Um, yeah, there's, there's a reason to give them more. Also, Florida is a tourist destination, so they've always got more people coming in. Oklahoma, God love them. No one is going, no one is using their vacation time going to Oklahoma. So, um, yeah, that, that doesn't make any sense at all. But I, I like that she uses the word equitable there. You know, it, it, because this isn't, it's not fair. It doesn't make sense. It's not uh, proportional. Not using any words like that. But equitable. Rather, the word is equitable. And equitable, when used by a government official, always means that we are going to arbitrarily or based on our own political needs, point, decide who the winner and loser is going to be. That's what equitable means. When used by someone like that, it always means. Equitable policy is a policy where we, in positions of power, get to decide who the winners and losers are going to be. And if you're a loser in this case, it means you die. Uh. And since we're on the subject of governor, government policies that kill people, we'll go now to the governor's race in Virginia, where Terry McAuliffe, uh, another guy who's been sniffing at, in positions of power or sniffing at power for decades, the, the dude just won't go away. And now he's running for uh, governor of Virginia again. And they had a, a debate last night. He was asked about... Uh, late-term abortion specifically. So this is third-trimester abortion. These are babies who are fully developed. They are, quote-unquote, viable, meaning they could survive outside the womb. Um, How does he feel about abortion in that case? And here's what he says about it. So the issue here is, in order for a woman to get an abortion in the third trimester... You have to have a primary doctor certify, and then you have to have two other doctors. The problems you have in rural parts of our state is there are not three doctors. So that really puts women in rural communities at a real disadvantage. So if they came up with a solution, and a woman's life has to be in danger, has to be certified. And if you have a legitimate doctor that says this woman, her life's in danger, of course I would support that. I'll do anything I can. And that's the difference. My opponent, as you know, wants to ban abortions. He has said that. He got caught secretly on tape saying, I will go on offense. I will go on offense to defund Planned Parenthood and ban abortions. And then he said, oh, but we're not going to tell the voters about it because if they find out, the independents won't vote for me. But don't worry, I won't go squishy on it. I can tell you this. To women watching tonight, I was a brick wall. I kept our 16 women's clinics open when I was governor of the Commonwealth of Virginia. And if we allow this Texas law, I can tell you this, Amazon, Google, Facebook. Thank you. It's dangerous for a woman's life, but it also is crippling to the Virginia economy to not bring these high tech companies here. Okay, so let's let's kill fully developed infants. We know the left, they when it comes to abortion, they prefer to talk about the hard cases. They prefer to talk about, you know, rape and incest. That's what they want to 
they want this entire discussion to be centered around less than, far less than 1% of all abortions. Uh, they also prefer to talk about abortions very early on in pregnancy. Um, but <clears throat> the truth is that every single one of them, I mean, anyone who is pro-abortion or quote-unquote pro-choice, anyone who identifies themselves in, in the year 2021 as pro-choice, it means that they support abortion through all phases of pregnancy. There are rare exceptions to that. McAuliffe certainly is not an exception. Now, the way that they dress it up is by is this whole bit about it's only to save the life of the mother. You need to understand, and I will, and I will continue to clarify this every single time it comes up. That is a, a fantasy. Okay, that that category of abortion does not exist. It is never underlined here, never necessary to have an abortion in the third trimester of pregnancy or at any trimester, but we're talking about the third trimester. It is never necessary to have a late-term abortion to save the life of a mother. Never. Okay? There are certainly things that can happen in a pregnancy where a woman's life is in jeopardy, and it means that the pregnancy has to be ended. But there are two ways. In fact, I'm like, actually, there's only one way. In, in the third trimester of pregnancy, if you, if you want to end a pregnancy, there is only one way to do it. And that is to deliver the baby. The question is whether you kill the baby before delivering him. That's an extra step. There is no medical reason to do it. So if a woman has a catastrophic health complication, which certainly does happen, and the doctor says, you're going to die um, if we don't deliver this baby, and the baby will probably die too, then yeah, obviously you're going to deliver the baby. There is no reason why you have to kill the baby first. No reason. That's an extra step. If anything, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be more dangerous for the mother now because you're taking this extra step rather than simply uh, taking the baby out. Now, we should also remember that um, life of the mother, I mean, everything these people say, you, you can't take any word they use or any phrase they use at face value. Never make the mistake of doing that. Because we know that real life of the mother abortions never happen and would never need to happen. So what are they actually talking about? Well, when you look at, and this is the case in Virginia, uh, it's you know, any of these states, when you, you, you look at the, the language in the laws and in the policies, what do you mean by life of the mother? What you're going to find is that they take a very expansive view about life of the mother cases. And oftentimes you're going to find that, you know, if a mother's um, emotional you know, if she's being, if she thinks that having the baby would jeopardize her emotional health or her psychological health or even her financial health, then that counts as a life of the, of the mother situation for an abortion. In other words, any reason, anything could be affirmed as, uh, uh, as you know, a life of the mother. Any reason a mother comes up with in the third trimester to get an abortion, they can find a way to make that a life of the mother situation. That's the reality. Now, 
So that was Terry McAuliffe. Let's go over to his opponent, this guy, Glenn Youngkin. And you can see, if you're watching the video here, you can see Terry McAuliffe points to Glenn and accuses Glenn of being uh, wanting to ban abortion. He, he makes this, uh, this slanderous claim that Glenn thinks that we should not kill any babies. But Glenn, wants to, Glenn, the Republican, wants to make it very clear that this is not true and that he, he in fact, supports killing babies in many circumstances. Uh, let's listen to his answer. This is an incredibly sensitive and personal topic. Um, and I do appreciate the fact that you would like to write legislation with me. Um, I think the Texas bill is one that is the standard right now that we're all looking at. And I would not sign the Texas bill today. As I've said through this entire campaign, I am pro-life. I believe in exceptions in the case of rape and incest and when the life of the mother is in jeopardy. But the Texas bill also, also is unworkable and confusing. What we're not doing this evening is talking to my opponent about his extreme views. See, my opponent doesn't want to talk about this topic tonight because he actually called legislation that would enable abortion, paid for with taxpayer money, all the way up through and including birth, where a child is kept comfortable while decision is made whether that child lives or dies. He called that legislation common sense legislation and said he would sign it. Uh. I haven't looked at the polls in Virginia. I don't need to look at the polls. I can already tell you that this joker is going to lose and deserves to. This brand of Republicanism has been a loser for decades, even more of a loser now. I mean, it's never been appealing to the left. It's never been appealing to the blessed independence that you're trying to win. And more and more conservatives and people on the right are just fed up with it. So you're not really appealing to anyone. Rather than, than he's got an opportunity here in this debate with voters watching to stand up there and make the case against abortion to explain why he is allegedly pro-life. It's not that hard to do. Yeah, he can say all he wants. So this is an incredibly personal and complicated. It's not complicated. It's not even personal, really. It's very simple. It's not hard, if you're a Republican or it shouldn't be, to stand up there and say, listen, I believe that it is never okay to intentionally destroy innocent human life. That's what I believe. And that principle for me holds true for all human life at all stages of development. That's not hard to say. It shouldn't be hard to say. And that's, that is an argument that the other, that snake on the other side there, Terry McAuliffe, he has no response for that. What you do is you flip it around and you say, uh, Terry, so you believe that sometimes it can be okay to intentionally destroy innocent human life. And then he's going to say, well, no, that's not what I'm saying. Okay, well, then explain to me. The baby in the womb, is, that, is it not a human? Is it not a member of the human species? What species is it? What is it, an aardvark? What is, what is, I mean, what is, an octopus? What, if it's not a human, then what is it? Well, of course it's a human. Okay, so is it not living? If it's not living, then why do we need the abortion to kill it? Oh, so, so it is a human life, and so you do think that it's okay some, sometimes to intentionally destroy innocent human life. That's your position. That's not mine. That shouldn't be hard to do. 
Glenn. But instead, he immediately goes on the defensive and says, well, yeah, yeah I mean, I'm pro-life, but uh, but I still think that, that we could, there's plenty. Look, listen, guys, there's plenty of babies we could still kill, okay? I'm on board with killing a lot of different babies. It's, it's my opponent. He's the extreme one. Let's talk about his extremism. Nobody gives a damn about extremism. You call someone, it's extreme. I wish you were extreme. That's what we want. You should be extremely pro-life. Stand up there and say, yeah, I'm an extremist. I am an extremist. I am extremely pro-life. He's an extremist. He's extremely anti-life. So you voters have a choice. Do you want someone who's extremely pro-life or extremely anti-life? This uh, spineless jellyfish routine, it just it's, it's not going to cut it anymore. It has never cut it. It's never been a winner. Republicans were able to get away with it at least for a time and, and sometimes win elected office playing that with that routine. Not anymore. There's, there's no appetite for it. All right, let's go next to... Uh, what do we got? Well, I, I gotta, this is just a follow-up from... Uh, this is my I told you so moment here. It's from the Daily Wire. It says, you can lead audiences to a half-dressed aging pop star, but you can't make them watch. Uh, Nice line there. Who wrote this? Megan Basham wrote that, so Daily Wire. Nice line. Um, That's the the lesson MTV has to be taking from this year's Video Music Awards, which clocked their lowest ratings on record, despite a surprise appearance from Madonna wearing a one-piece leather thong and fishnet stockings. Um, The 63-year-old fellow celebrities showered her with accolades for the cameo, but the ratings were really low. So what is the um, what were the ratings for the VMAs? Uh, it says, traditional ratings, however, leave no doubt that viewership for the VMAs once again hit bottom, drawing only 900,000 viewers for the live run of the show. It marked the first time in MTV's history that fewer than 1 million people tuned in to its flagship awards program. For comparison, the VMAs drew nearly 10 million viewers in 2015 and more than 11 million in 2010. Now, I can remember when I was a teenager and... Um, the VMAs were, uh, they were a cultural event and it felt like everybody was watching them and everybody was talking about them the next day. Um, and that's not the case anymore. Less, fewer than a million people tuned in for the VMAs. And that only supports my point that I started with on Monday. That, you know, the, the, the degeneracy and filth and perversion, all of these things that these desperate pop stars do to be shocking. It doesn't, it's, it's boring now because we live in a culture where this is mainstream. I mean, you could, it used to be you would turn, if you, if you, you know, you would turn on the VMAs and you would see things that counted as legitimately sort of edgy. And you might see crazy things happen on the VMAs that you wouldn't find elsewhere. Now, unfortunately, whatever you find on the VMAs, you find that anywhere, all over the place. Um, And what that means is it's just dull and boring and nobody cares. Even the people who agree with it still don't really care. Uh, Here's a guy who tries desperately to be shocking. Lil Nas X, he appeared on the Breakfast Club radio show 
And um, one question that he gets a lot, and for good reason, is what about the what about the kids? Uh, and, and the reason why he gets this question is because he he started with that terrible song, Old Town Road, which was, a, which was an awful song, a really stupid song. It was I can't even say that it was a that it was a. I'm saying it's awful and stupid as a song, but it was also inappropriate for kids if you look at the lyrics. But mainly, it was just a really dumb song. But kids loved it, and he. He very intentionally marketed it to kids. He, he went to elementary schools and middle schools and performed it. He performed it on Nickelodeon and all of these things. And he, and he garnered this, intentionally garnered this audience of young children. And then did a bait and switch and started putting out graphic, satanic, literally satanic music. And um, he was asked, asked about that on the Breakfast Club morning show. Here's his answer parents would be like, you know, you have a responsibility because kids are watching. You hear that Cardi B had that same problem and Nicki had that same problem. Do you feel that same way? Like, I don't really, kids? I feel like I used to, but now it's just like, so? Like, like, f*** your kids. Not like, f*** your kids. That's exactly <laughs> that what harsh. you just said. <laughs> but like, but like, but like I You just gave them another headline, Montero. <laughs> okay? What agenda is that? The f*** your kids agenda? <laughs> it's like, um... We really get one one chance to do this, at least to my knowledge. I don't know, like what happens when we die or not. Uh, so it's like I'm not, I'm not like about to pander to your kids or you, like anybody. Like even I have even have to do this with my family members, you know, like because my family members may not always agree with what I'm doing, or like whoever I'm dating, like they may not agree. But it's like, I honestly, really, truly want to live by, you know, this is our life. We get to do this so what anybody else has to really say about it, I guess, you know? I would say when it comes to the music, just tell people that's the reason there's a parental advisory sticker. That too. On the, on, on the music. Did you see the YouTube kids thing? You know, I don't know if you saw that. Mm-mm. It was what like a lady, she, she like searched up music for babies. Oh, I saw that. And they said, something like yeah, that. Yeah, and yeah. then like industry baby popped up yeah. and she was like surprised. Like you looked up baby. <laughs> and music. And music. Like what do you, what do you expect from that? Yeah, like, uh, like, like I'm gonna do what I want, like, and that's like what I'm just gonna do is what I want, and like that's how I'm gonna live. Like, what does it say about our culture that this guy with an IQ of 42? I mean, I've I've had Caesar salads at Applebee's that had a higher IQ than this guy, and he's a he's a big star. And how do you get a big star? It's just, it's just like he he wears dresses. And walks around in dresses, and everyone goes, "Well, it's revolutionary. He's a brilliant artist. Every every male artist is wearing dresses now." There's the who was it? Uh, I think it was Russell Westbrook. They, they, NBA stars are now walking around in dresses, and they still want to convince us that this is some sort of brilliant, boundary-breaking thing. But his answer, uh, so far as it could be translated and understood, was. F your kids. And that's how he feels about it. Um, you know, these people are all, speaking of soulless, they're all soulless sociopaths. And uh, they, they, they just simply don't care. They do not care about your kids. They feel no responsibility at all to anyone but themselves. They, they, they are, this is why it is so appropriate that um, he put out that satanic video where he's, you know, uh, twerking on Satan's lap. 
because although he meant it to be partly satirical or whatever, or however he would justify it, he is a Satanist in that he belongs in the religion of himself. He is a self-worshipper. And he said it there very clearly. Nothing else in the world matters. Nobody else matters. Only me. All right. Finally, I, I got to play this before we get to reading the YouTube comments. Um, here's an, some important footage. This is from, I think this is in Brooklyn. Okay, let's play the footage here. There's a guy at a stoplight, and uh, some, the, the truck behind him does that thing. Go ahead and play it. The, the truck behind him does that thing where as soon as the light turns green, he lays on the horn, go. And so the dude in the car just got honked at. He gets out and starts dancing in the street. That's his way of responding to the guy. This is not bad dance moves, considering there's no music. <laughs> and so this is this is his response. You know what? I, now, I would not personally respond that way to being honked at when I'm at the light. Mainly because of my policy of never dancing in front of anybody, or never dancing in general. But I'm, fu- I'm fully on his side. I'm on the dancing guy's side here. Normally, you know, this is my first time. Usually you're dancing in the street, holding up traffic. I'm not going to be on your side. But this is, an imp- this is an important point that he's making. I think he's taking an important stand here. Because that annoys me to no end. Okay, what is he doing now? All right. We're getting a little bit graphic there. Um, it annoys me to no end. When you're at the light and the, the light, you're waiting, and the light turns green, and a, and... Half a second later, someone behind you is laying on the horn. Can you give me a second to move my foot? I'm just trying to move my foot from the brake to the to the gas. I'm not on my phone. Okay, don't worry about it. Can you just get? I I know you're sitting there at the light, just anxious to get. But I'm I'm a. I just have my foot on the brake. I, all I need to do. You need to give me. You know what I need? I need three quarters, not half a second. Give me three quarters of a second to move my foot from the brake to the gas. Can you do that? What are you in such a hurry for? Like, you got nothing going on in your life. You're, you're, you're not as important as you're pretending to be. All these people in a hurry so that you can get home and sit on your ass and watch uh, Netflix. That, that's all you're going to do. You're going to get home, and you're gonna, just going to sit on your TV. Hurry up. I got to get home so I can sit and do nothing for the next seven and a half hours. And the other thing is, you would never do that in person. And I don't like it when people get big and tough in their cars and traffic or online, it's all the same people, when they would never do it in person. If, if we were standing in the line at airport security, and the line moved, and I was just like a half a second behind in moving my feet to keep up with the line, you would not stand behind me and shout, go! Hey, go! You would never do that. You know you wouldn't do it. You only do it in the car. You coward. All right. Got to get that off my chest. Let's get now to reading the YouTube comments. Who makes a Twitter mob fly off the handle with rage? Who's to blame? It's a sweet baby gang Who's rocking polka dot and flannel shirts without shame? Do you 
know their name They're the sweet baby gang Now there's no more crying Ain't got time for your leftist tears If you're a man, it's required That you grow a beard, hey We're the sweet baby gang This theocratic fascist dictatorship Is on its way Daily cancellations are the law You know, we probably shouldn't play the whole thing on second thought. That'll get old after a while. Mainly, I just want the end where they're saying all hail Matt Walsh. That's that's the most important part of that whole song. All right. Uh, let's see. Richard says, Matt has been waiting to be confronted about being maskless. Outstanding. Me too. Uh, yeah, I, I would like to see, even if I'm not confronted, just see one of these viral videos going down in person. So that I could have my say about it. But as I said, I, I have been confronted several times, maybe three times, two or three times at least, about not wearing a mask. But it never gets that far um, because the people always back down. And I think it's because I'm, I'm not a woman. They're, they're looking for women alone at the grocery store, these predators, looking for women that they can release this rage onto. Um, the closest thing I came to was what I, I the, the story that I told a couple months ago, a few months ago, at a hotel, um, and uh, I got into the I got into the elevator and I didn't have a mask on, and there was you know a, a couple there and the guy was had a mask. He said, "Why don't you put your mask on?" And I said, "No, I'm not." And he was demanding that I get off the elevator and said, "I'm not getting off the elevator. You can get off." And then he stormed off the elevator, and that's as far as it went. Um. Because again, they're not—they're not looking for guys like me to pick on. They're looking for, you know, like any bully. They're looking for people smaller than them. All right, non-compliant says the video of the baby immediately filled me with so much rage and literally brought tears to my eyes. We are sick. Our society is sick, and we do not deserve a place on this earth if that is how we treat our most innocent and precious lives. Dear God, great description, Matt. It is cruel and barbaric. I am so disgusted with humans at this point. Well, I am too, but it's not, we're all flawed people. We're all flawed as members of the human race, but, you know, and you're using the word we, and I know you mean it in this kind of general universal sense, but it's not really we, is it? This goes back to what we talked about at the start of the show. There's a certain portion of the American population that does this to kids, that wants to see it done to kids. And I feel about those people just as you do. Another reason why it's hard to see how we can all stay together in this uh, loveless marriage at this point. Greg says, I feel for you, Matt. At some point, talking about these things is going to give you health problems. I appreciate the commentary and candor, however. Aaron says, I finally found someone who shares my opinion on conservation. I've often stated that uh, I don't care if gorillas go extinct because I don't eat gorillas. And usually people are pretty horrified when I say that for some reason. I'm with you on that. You know, my, my stance on animal rights is that I just don't, <laughs> I don't care. I don't care at all. Uh, I, I should probably care a little bit more than I do. 
And I'll admit that. But on the panda thing, which is what you're referring back to, I stand by it 100%. And I have been leading the charge against pandas for years now. I think it's one of the most important issues that I've talked about. I should probably talk about it more. And I'll tell you that uh, the panda topic I was very pleased to see is the one that our friends at Media Matters decided to clip yesterday. So they put, they, they put that, uh, that clip out where I'm talking about how pandas shouldn't exist. And, you know, there was a little bit of outrage, but, but, but I, I think it sparked a necessary conversation. And I found, because they put that clip out there and gave me an excuse to talk about it further, um, there are more people in my camp. The anti-panda camp is larger than I thought. We are the silent majority. And so it was good to be able to connect with uh, some people, some fellow members of the anti-panda community. Because we, I've had enough of this. These fat, lazy, good-for-nothing things. I mean, they don't blend into their environment. They have, no, they have no defensive skills whatsoever. They're not mating. I mean, science, here's what scientists are doing. This is real. They're going into the forests in Asia, and they're setting up like candlelight dinners, and they're playing Marvin Gaye just to try to get pandas you know, to, to feel a little romantic with one another. And it's not working because the pandas are saying, pandas don't even like other pandas. They're not even attracted to other pandas. Like the male pandas are looking at the female pandas and saying, I want nothing to do with that. Just look at the. Just let us die off. We're useless. Will you let us die? And the scientists say, no, we need to keep you around so that we can have you at zoos and little four-year-old girls can go and say, look at the cute pandas. There are other cute animals. We don't need these. All right. Queen Persephone says, I believe that income tax is theft, but certainly you should be taxed on items that you pay for, like food, cars, homes, etc. Um, yeah, that's the consumption tax versus the income tax. And uh, if we were capable of having any intelligent and useful conversations in this country whatsoever, then this is something we, we maybe could talk about. Instead of talking about how high should the taxes be, how about what should our tax system actually be? Right now, we are taxed simply for making an income. The act of earning an income means that you owe a tax, and it wasn't always that way. Um, the income tax itself was supposed to be temporary. The withholding system was supposed to be temporary, and nothing ever is temporary with the government. So that's something that we could talk about, but of course, we can't talk about it because... We can't have any discussion in this country, except the discussion about pandas, pandas rather. Joe Biden has made one thing incredibly clear. He's going full authoritarian and his vaccine mandate is just the beginning. Last Thursday, he announced his plan to mandate vaccines for all companies with over 100 employees or test them for COVID at least once a week. The Daily Wire has over 100 employees ourselves. Uh, 100, I don't know why I pronounced it that way. You got 100 employees and we refuse to subject them to this violation of their personal medical freedom for this Daily Wire could face up to $14,000 for each violation. And I can't think of a better reason to let the fines pile up than for opposing medical tyranny and the erasure of freedom. That's why we're calling on all who are listening uh, to help Daily Wire fight this obscene and tyrannical mandate. If you join us as a Daily Wire member right now, you'll be supplying the resources needed to take this all the way to the Supreme Court. So go to dailywire.com slash subscribe and use code do not comply at checkout for 25% off. Big news. Daily Wire is starting an official e-commerce division of our company, and we're now searching for a vice president of e-commerce to join our team in Nashville, Tennessee. 
In this exceptional leadership opportunity, you will oversee the Daily Wire division that birthed the legendary Leftist Tears Tumblr and the even more legendary Sweet Baby Gang t-shirts. Using your autonomy and e-commerce expertise, you and your team will be forced... um, Will, will be forced. You'll be forced to do many things that you don't want to do. No, you'll, you will be the force behind Daily Wire's e-commerce presence and the consumer experience, expressing the full creativity, wit, and wisdom that encompasses the Daily Wire brand. If you think you've got what it takes to be the newest critical addition to the Daily Wire leadership team and to promulgate the mission of the Daily Wire brand through e-commerce, then we want to hear from you. For full details on the responsibilities and requirements of this position and to apply, please, please visit dailywire.com careers. Our full list of current openings on the Daily Wire team can be found there as well. Now let's get to our daily cancellation. So I have not to this point mentioned anything about the Nicki Minaj saga on this show. That's mostly because I've been too busy talking about pandas, but also because the whole thing is incredibly stupid. But then I realized, speaking of the pandas, that I talk about incredibly stupid things on this show all the time. So why should I discriminate in this case? So to review. Nicki Minaj, the female rapper, made the news earlier this week when she chose not to attend the Met Gala because of its vaccine requirements. In explaining her decision the following day, she tweeted um, about the vaccine's alleged effects on her cousin's friend's testicles. She wrote, quote, My cousin in Trinidad won't get the vaccine because his friend got it and became impotent. His testicles became swollen. His friend was weeks away from getting married. Now the girl called off the wedding. So just pray on it and make sure you're comfortable with your decision, not bullied. Now, to me, the biggest issue here is that her cousin's friend's fiancé is apparently rather cruel and shallow. Calling off the wedding because your betrothed has swollen testicles just seems pretty harsh to me. Just think about how the guy feels now. First, his testicles swell up like balloons, and next thing you know, he's getting dumped. A very unfortunate chain of events, no doubt. Now, I have no idea if this anecdotal story is true or not. Um, I'm a little skeptical. I, I haven't heard of that uh, side effect anywhere else, but it um, doesn't matter to me. With all, with all due respect to the cousin's friend and his testicles, uh, you know, whether or not that story is true is not really the point. The important thing in Minaj's statement, if there is one, is that you should decide for yourself whether you get the vaccine or not. Make your own decision. Don't do anything because you feel pressured into it. Don't inject something into your body because you feel pressured into it. And on that score, I totally agree, and I commend her for saying it. The next day, Tucker Carlson offered his own uh, commendation on exactly that point, congratulated her for making this point, and Nicki Minaj then retweeted that clip, expressing approval of Tucker Carlson's approval of her, and that's when the left was sent into a full-on conniption fit. First, Nicki Minaj dared to encourage critical thinking, and then she gave a thumbs up to that dastardly old Nazi Tucker Carlson, and that's too much, and this has led to condemnation from all across the left and the media, as you might expect. And if you're perceptive, you also expect the next part of this story. The right has rallied around Nicki Minaj. Prominent conservatives and many others on social media have called her a hero. Using that exact word, she's a hero. They're extolling her courage. She's being elevated as a great champion of our cause as conservatives. I've seen well-known conservatives urging other conservatives to listen to uh, Minaj's music, including her 2014 song, Anaconda, where she spends three and a half minutes rapping about penises because they say it's a celebration of free speech. This is a longstanding problem in conservatism. Some of us are evidently so desperate for approval from mainstream society 
that we simply can't handle it when a celebrity agrees with us about anything. We latch on to them like groupies, tears of joy in our eyes. We start forming petitions to award them the Medal of Freedom. I've seen this process play out time and time again, and it always comes back to bite us because although the celebrity may happen to line up with us on one issue, they are still fundamentally opposed to us on everything else. So the alignment is incidental and temporary, and it won't last. And there will come a time very soon when Nicki Minaj says something and all these same conservatives say, well, I can't believe it. She's turned her back on us. No, she didn't turn her back on you. She was never on your side. Nicki Minaj specifically is a purveyor of absolute filth and stupidity. Her music is gratuitous trash. She's also married to a sex, sex offender for the record. And also for the record, her brother is a child rapist. Now, that isn't her fault, but it is kind of strange that she finds herself surrounded by these kinds of people. Minaj is a big supporter of BLM. She's pro-abortion, so on and so on. This isn't about me being ideologically uh, pure, okay? The fact is that Nicki Minaj is, again, totally opposed to everything we stand for and has worked through her career to make our culture dumber and more morally debased and to pollute the minds and souls of children. All of that remains the case, even if she doesn't like vaccines. That doesn't mean that we should reject her advocacy for vaccine choice. It just means that we should show a little restraint and discernment. The appropriate response uh, to Nicki Minaj is, yes, I agree with you on this issue. Thanks for speaking out. And then we move on. We don't need to throw her a parade and build a monument in her honor. That's all I'm trying to say. And so today, unfortunately, the conservatives who've suddenly become groupies for Nicki Minaj are, I'm sad to say, canceled. And we'll leave it there for today. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. Godspeed. Well, if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review. Also, tell your friends to subscribe as well. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, we're there. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, Michael Knowles Show, The Andrew Clavin Show. Thanks for listening. The Matt Walsh Show is produced by Sean Hampton, executive producer Jeremy Boring. Our supervising producer is Mathis Glover. Our technical director is Austin Stevens. Production manager, Pavel Vodosky. The show is edited by Ali Hinkle. Our audio is mixed by Mike Cormina. Hair and makeup is done by Cherokee Hart. And our production coordinator is McKenna Waters. The Matt Wall Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2021. Hey, everybody. This is Andrew Claven, host of The Andrew Claven Show. You know, some people are depressed because the republic is collapsing, the end of days is approaching, and the moon's turned to blood. But on The Andrew Claven Show, that's where the fun just gets started. So come on over to The Andrew Claven Show and laugh your way through the fall of the republic with me, Andrew Claven.